This is the Spa Retailer Podcast, where we talk about retail, business, and all things related to the hot tub industry. I'm Megan Kendrick, owner of Spa Retailer Magazine. And I'm Jeff Bailey, owner of Spring Dance Hot Tubs in Philadelphia. This episode of the Spa Retailer Podcast is brought to you by Marquee. So if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you'll notice that things sound quite a bit different around here. We've got a new intro and a co-host. I'm sorry we took a little bit longer break than I had intended, but the more episodes of the podcast that we've done, the more I really felt that it needed a co-host, someone who is actually working in and owns a hot tub retail store. As I've mentioned in the past, I listen to a lot of podcasts and the ones that I enjoy the most usually are made up of a team. I've probably known Jeff for about as long as I've been at the magazine. We usually run into each other at the trade shows where he's working on one council or another for APSP. And I'm really excited that he agreed to give this a try. So welcome, Jeff, to the Spa Retailer Podcast. Thank you, Megan. I thought this in this first episode, we'd just tell Jeff's story so that um, all of our listeners, you guys get a chance to know him and know where he's coming from and, and what he's all about. Jeff actually recently bought Spring Dance Hot Tubs. He was a part owner and you bought out your your partner and now are the the main guy, right, Jeff? That's correct. Yes. June 22nd. So very recent, just this year. That's really exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. I kind of just wanted to start, um, I just want to start at the very beginning, just, you know, where you grew up, a little bit about, about your family, and, and then kind of talk about how you ended up in the, in the hot tub industry. So where were you born? And, uh, you know, tell me about your, your parents, siblings, how was all that for you growing I up? I grew up in uh, just outside of Philadelphia in a town, an area called Bucks County, Pennsylvania, and um, had a mom and dad, very, very normal uh, upbringing. My father was a PhD in biochemistry uh, and was a research chemist. And um, my mother was a stay-at-home mom until uh, until she was she, until we got into high school. And then she wound up um, running a retail store, a toy store, uh, for about twenty-five years in uh, it, just a short distance from where we grew up. And then I have a brother and sister that uh, both live in the area uh, where, where I live still. And, um, and it was pretty, pretty basic, pretty basic childhood. It was pretty good. Yeah. So were, your, were either of your parents or people in your family entrepreneurs? I mean, kind of where do you think you got that? Uh, where do you think you got that from? Um, definitely not. Um, <laughs> my my, my uh, father was... Um, pretty amazing guy still is uh he wound up um working 33 years uh the same job so when he got his phd went to work for the usda uh just in an office just outside of philadelphia uh doing research on leather and he did that for like i said 33 years till he retired he had one job and um and my mother always had the opportunity to buy the store that she was at and the the person that was there wanted her to buy the store, but she would never, never do that. Instead, she just ran everything. So yeah, so the, no, it wasn't, um, I think in my case, I just had to do something. Um, um, and the uh, idea of working for myself seemed like a, seemed like a fun thing. And that, and, and that's basically what I did uh, right after college. 
Um, I had met my wife in college in uh, Central Florida, and then we decided uh, to buy a ServPro franchise. So I actually owned a ServPro franchise, which does all the uh, fire damage and water damage restoration. And we had that for nine years. And then um, I had sold that in 98 and then uh, was looking to do something different. And as fate had it, I had lunch with a, an insurance guy who had a connection with a friend. Um, we, had, we had a mutual friend and that of Dan, uh, my former partner that I just bought out. And uh, I'd learned that his wife was ill. And so I stopped in to see him and see how she was doing. And um, he had the, oh, just opened this new hot tub store. And uh, I was I was smitten as soon as I got in there. I, I could not believe uh, the quality of the product, how much things had changed in the hot tub world uh, since I had bought one in the early 90s. And, um, and basically he needed some help. I, I needed a job and uh, that, that's how, that's how I got into the hot tub business. That's interesting. So did you, um, when you started working for him, did you start off as a, as a partnership or did you work for him for a little while and then say, Hey, um, I'd like to, I'd like to, you know, be a part owner. That's a great question, Megan. What I did was I, when I took the job, I had said, if we ever expand, are you open to me being a partner? Um, at which point he said, yes. So yes, that was me joining the company was contingent on any future growth that I would be, I'd be a partner. So yes. Okay. Yes. So, I mean, kind of right off the bat, did you know that, um, that you guys, I mean, you said you knew each other before. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm blanking now. Did you guys know each other before? We did. We did. We had a mutual friend that introduced us, uh, or that we knew that we, I, I had lunch with a mutual friend after I had sold the business and, and uh, I'd asked him about Dan. I hadn't seen Dan in years. And, uh, that's when I learned that his wife was, uh, had taken ill and that he had just opened this new store. And I really stopped in just to see how he was doing and how, um, uh, his wife Sue was doing at the time. And, um, and like I said, I just, um, I was really shocked at the, how unique the products was that, that he had on the floor and he was selling at the time. Yeah. So I was just curious because, um, you know, kind of what your relationship had been before you started working with him, because, you know, walking in, if you didn't know him <laughs> and being like, Hey, let's be partners, you know, that can be kind of, that can be kind of scary, but you no, at least had a little bit of a background to base that off of. You know what? And, and I should have been a little more clear. I'm sorry. So when we, when I first, um, approached him, um, he said, Hey, I have some events. We're doing some sales. Do you want to work part-time on the weekends? So, um, that was in, um, the summer of, uh, 99 and he had opened in the summer of 98. So he was in business for one year. Um, uh, interestingly enough, I was driving past his store. I just had no idea that he was the owner. So I didn't come in and say, I wanted to do this. I had worked for him for a few months part-time and I really enjoyed the business uh, a lot. And so that's that's when I said, well, if I'm going to join full time uh, and we were growing at, at a, a pretty good clip at that point. So if we, so that's that's when I had approached him about, hey, if I join the company, what are the what are the chances that uh, we could have a partnership if we expand someday in other markets in the Philadelphia area? And that's that's when he had said that um, he was open to that. Yeah. So I, yeah, I made it sound like I walked in with a gun to his head. I certainly didn't. Do that. No, no. 
No, well, no, that's good. I mean, you know, partnerships can be really, really hard. And so I think there's a lot of, you know, you have to have a, a pretty good comfort level with someone, I, I feel like, before you before you do that. Because for everyone I talk to who has a great partnership, I've talked to three or four others who say, never do it. <laughs> right. Yes. No, I, I, I completely agree that not all partnerships work, but ours did for um, for nearly 18 years. Yeah, I mean that's that's impressive, you know. And a lot of partnerships are people you're you're stuck with. It's family, you know. It's it's someone you can't you can't walk away from. And so, um, so yeah, to be able to to stick it out with someone for for eighteen years um, is is pretty impressive. That's a great run. Yes, yes, it was, and and the timing was just absolutely uh, perfect uh, for Dan to uh, retire um, at at. Um, like I said, I'm 49 now. I'm turning 50 this year. This was the time for me to pull the trigger, and uh, everything came together. It took a while, but everything came together. Yeah, was was Dan quite a bit older than you? Uh, Dan was. Uh, he's 62 right now, 62 or 63. So yes, he he um, uh, he's about 12 years older than me. Yes. Okay. Okay. And is he is he you know done done fully retired or do you think he'll he'll find some other things to to keep him busy? Oh <laughs> uh, no, he's gonna he's gonna need you know he's got very good health and I think it's only uh, uh, I think he's enjoying these uh, first few months off. But I think yeah, he's definitely gonna find something fun to do and do something. Yeah, that's. Different. That's kind of the same with with me and Dave, our former owner. You know, he's a he's a young guy, and you know, he was just ready for something new. He's a serial entrepreneur, and that's where his heart really is. He likes to build things, and so, you know, he was ready to to try something new. His kids were out of the house, and you know, it was just time for him to, uh, you know, to expand and and see what else was out there for him. And so, yeah, it's kind of similar in that way. He'll you'll see him around again, I'm sure. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> So you, you get into this business, you help out on the weekends, you you get into the business with Dan, and I mean, what was it about hot tubs that you loved that you said this is this is what I want to do? Well, you know, um, while there's a lot of people that don't buy hot tubs, um, there I've never met a person that didn't want a hot tub, um, and and uh, I. I I bought a hot tub from Dan when he was in another another business um, in the early 90s, probably back in 93. And um, we loved it as a family. We thought it was awesome. And then what we, uh, um, we wound up, we, when, so when I, when I'd come into the store and to see how the product had evolved, um, I just thought it was really neat. And it's a very fun product to sell. I mean, it's not, again, there's nobody uh, forcing somebody to buy a hot tub. And uh, people that that are in that, that are looking for that uh, type of product, that have that discretionary income, um, it's it's they're very interesting people, and it's uh, it, like I said, it it's become it was much more fun that fun. It was very fun to get into this business. It's a fun business. For sure. Yeah, I was going to say it's got to be. You're meeting people at a lot happier place than you probably were with uh, Surf Pro. <laughs> well, that's just it. Yeah, it was much better than going to somebody's house that was completely burnt up and going over the procedures of how we were going to try to. Yeah, it, it, there is. There's no. Uh, I've never looked back from getting out of the business to being involved with this business. As difficult as this business can be, um, I certainly and I certainly enjoy it much more than uh, yeah. two o'clock in the morning having to get a crew to go out to help somebody who was in a crisis. Yeah. So 
you know, you've, you've been in the industry for a while now, but you're, I mean, you obviously love the industry because you're pretty involved in, in things to help the industry with the APSB and IHTA. I feel like, um, I feel like some of our earlier conversations were about your involvement with, with those organizations. I mean, when did you, when did you get involved in that side of the industry? And, um, you know, why is that something that's important to you? Uh, actually it's something I'm pretty passionate about and, um, it's, it's basically, it, it, it really is the hardest part of selling a hot tub is getting it into the backyard and, uh, watching over the years, so many people, um, that can't, can't get the the dream that they want, which is a hot tub in their backyard because it's made so difficult by, uh, local government regulations, permits, um, you know, having to put a fence around their hot tub, having, you know, and then of course you have it where every single uh, municipality has different rules, different fees, uh, all those types of things. That's what got me interested to understand uh, the, the efforts that the IHTA, the International Hot Tub Association had started with, and now they're uh, under the umbrella of the APSP, but they, they work really, really hard uh, to make it easy for us to get products in people's backyards. And they're always fighting uh, literally 24-7 to make sure um, we can still sell this product. Um, a friend of mine in the industry told me years ago that we flew under the radar for a really long time, but, you know, this is a billion-dollar industry now. And um, we, we kind of flew under the radar with pools, but, but now that it gets so tricky you know, when you go to a township and you say you're getting a hot tub and they start telling you, well, you need to do this like a pool. It's very, very, very confusing. So uh, it's really important to have uh, a group, a trade association like the APSP um, and the IHTA strategic uh, leadership team that's working hard to to make it to make it easier to get these hot tubs in backyards. I mean, there's been laws passed to um, put fences around every hot tub. They were trying to pass a law to put a fence around every hot tub in the country. This was going to be a national law. Once, once one state adopts that law, it just goes Mm -hmm. down to every other state. They just look at that. They go, we like that. Let's, let's adopt that for this state. And, um, we've blocked major things like that. That would put the hot tub industry on its head. If uh, everybody had to get a fence to put around their hot tub, even people who have a fence around their backyard would still have to get a fence around their hot tub. So, yeah, so those are things that uh, it's very important to keep this industry moving forward. And um, there's some great people in that group working very hard to do that. Yeah, you're one of the few uh, dealers that I've seen who's really active in those kinds of in the group, those kinds of groups, at least on the on the hot tub side of the industry. Um, I mean, a lot of the manufacturers, you know, they have people working on those councils all the time from for the hot tub manufacturers. But but I don't see very many dealers. Why do you think why do you think that is? Well, we're the front lines. We're the front lines of the people seeing the problems that are out there. And it, and it's very different. You know, I have a store in South Jersey, South, uh, Southern New Jersey, across from Philadelphia. And um, things come up in New Jersey that never come up in Pennsylvania, right across the river. Um, mm-hmm. And I would imagine all around the country, it's different. I would imagine some people listening to this podcast would say, we, we, we don't have any issues with with permits uh other people yeah, i live i live in oklahoma where the permitting process is pretty much non-existent for a lot of the, a lot of different areas right. so <laughs> well you know it's gotten to the point where you don't encourage a customer to get a permit because it just opens mm-hmm. up a can of worms um 
you know, somebody wants to buy a $30,000 swim spa and uh, the township, we have a situation right now, the township's holding it up because they want an alarm for the cover. Well, that's pool related. That has nothing to do with, with um, the hot tub, which is uh, UL 1563, which is, you know, that that's the way they're built to those standards. They, they don't, they don't, they don't need an alarm on the cover. It needs to be a locking cover. So yeah, you, you, you get some of these things. And, uh, I was able to get the, uh, APSB involved with that to help. Um, but it's very tough. These townships will dig in. Um, but yeah, the places where you don't have to worry about it, um, that's a great thing. But in, in markets, major markets like the Philadelphia market, the Washington DC market, the Boston market, they've figured out a way that these municipalities can make a lot of money on, uh, permitting, and as a result of that, uh, make it, makes it more and more difficult to get a hot tub in the backyard. No, that's actually the that that's actually one of the the biggest uh, obstacles to selling a hot tub uh, in my market is the the permitting process and the rules and regulations that different townships have. That's really interesting. Do you think that that's why? Um... Do you think that's why dealer engagement in these kinds of, of councils and things is kind of on the low side is because unless it has directly impacted their business yet, they don't think it really matters that much? Absolutely. Yeah, that's the biggest problem. With that said, um, and this isn't a pitch for the APSB, but it's so low of an investment and it is an investment in the industry of the product that we sell uh, to, to join the APSB. Um, and there are a lot of really good things they can do. I think often people want APSB doing marketing for them to be driving leads to their store. And I believe that's important, but not nearly as important as keeping our product uh, safe and, and protecting us as dealers from the, the laws and rules and regulations that are coming down the pike. You know, often the, it's a fence company. That, that's, that goes to Washington to get the law set that hot tubs should all have fences around them. Um, of course. Yeah. And so, the, and then it, they, that's a huge industry that has a lot of money. Um, you know, it's the, and it's, it's not much different than um, years ago, there was a bonding requirement. There was a certain metal um, grid that had to go inside every concrete pad. And lo and behold, that was passed by that, that, copper mesh company. That's the one who, who was able to push that through uh, the national electric code and get that done. And that was a big headache. That was an example of yeah, things that I were, remember that. Yeah. That was an example of things in Jersey. That was a problem on it, on every, everybody who got a permit, that was a problem. So. We're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsor. When we return, we'll talk a little bit more about standards and then learn about the evolution of spring dance hot tubs. This episode is brought to you by Marquee. Aquatic training vessels are much more than a traditional swim spa. Hydrodynamic flow design and control, plus a unique range of pumps and jet arrays deliver water flow users can customize for their aquatic workout. The Kona's exclusive system design uses six Whitewater 4 jets to deliver water flow beyond the volumes created by the pumps, delivering up to 39% more flow than comparably sized competitive jets. Plus, two mid-vessel buoyancy jets provide mid to lower torso lift during swimming. The V150 Party Swim Tub utilizes Whitewater 4 jets, three swim jets, and two footwell jets, plus directional, conal, and orbital jet pods and eight therapy seats. To learn more, visit atvswimspas.com. 
Well, I'm glad that I'm glad that you're involved in that and paying attention and and uh, you know I think it's I and I'm glad we're talking about it because I do think it's important for other dealers who maybe are impacted by those things to understand you know if they join APSP and or work with the IHTA kind of where that money is going and and understanding that it may not be a problem for you today but if it's not something that gets taken care of it could be a problem for you tomorrow i mean you look at title 20 in california and that was a problem for the entire industry even though it was you know technically a california law you know that turned into you know, federal standards, right? It sure did. I mean, right after Title 20, Texas said, yeah, we like that. Let's adopt that. And then it was a domino effect of everybody adopting those, those types of, of, uh, or Title 20. And um, yeah, it makes it, it makes it very difficult. You know, you, you would hate to see you'd hate to see something that would come down the pike one day where all of a sudden we, we learn that it's going to be very difficult to sell hot tubs now. And, and um the APSB is working tirelessly to make sure that that day doesn't come where we wake up and go, whoa, what's this about? You know, what was it? Uh, I forget 2007 or 2008 when Textron sent a letter out and said, hey, we're out of the hot tub industry and left a lot of a lot yeah. of people scrambling. Um, you, you know, they're 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 out there working very hard. And it's all the ma- it's it's all the major manufacturers. It's not as though one company's doing it. It's it's uh, all all shapes and sizes, so to speak. Um, are doing a great job um, working together um, to make sure this happens. So yeah, I, 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 it is disappointing to see that more dealers are not involved. That's for sure. Um, you know, the, the, we, we, we have a very, very small uh, amount of retailers that are actually part of the APSP, but I, I think that can turn the corner. I think, I think we'll see more and more people. Uh, it's just getting the word out and everybody that's involved works full-time and works really hard in their own businesses. So. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, clearly everybody has a lot on, has a lot on their plates. It's hard to imagine adding, adding one more thing, but, um, but yeah, even if you aren't really involved, you know, even if you're just a member and you, you know, those dues, those dues can help make a big difference. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So you, um, going back to, to spring dance though, you know, obviously, you know, talked about your store in, in Jersey. Um, obviously you, the store grew and Dan said, yeah, Jeff, come along and, and be a partner. <laughs> yes. Well, there was a, there was a lot, as always, there's a lot of moving parts and a, a market had opened up for us and, um, it, it was timing. It made sense back in 2003, um, that we were able to get into the Philadelphia market or the South Jersey market, um, with, um, with one of our manufacturers and, and we got, we, that's how we got rolling. Yeah. When you, um, when you first started working with Dan, did he already have two stores or was it just the no, one store? No, actually at that time? in 99, we had one store and in uh, the fall of 2002, we opened a second store. And then in the summer of 2000, um, I guess late spring, early summer, 2003, we opened a third store. Okay. Okay. Great. And you mentioned your, your manufacturer, you carry uh hot spring, right? Yes. Do you carry other Watkins brands or is it just hot springs? We sell hot springs in Caldera. And um, at the time when we were expanding, we actually had a hot springs and a Sundance store. And then we expanded our second location to be Sundance only. And then our third location to be hot springs only. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, so 
you grew to three stores. Um, I'm sorry, you said that you opened the last one in 2003? Three. Yeah. 2003? Okay. So then, you know, you open this new store in 2003, you're rolling along pretty good, and then it gets to be 2007. <laughs> yeah. How, uh, how was the recession for you guys, and how did you kind of handle that hit to your business? Um, or was it a hit to your business? Oh, it was a big hit. We, we lost two-thirds of our business, and um, we had a lot of customers and um our goal was to stay in business and our goal was to take care of our customers uh and we were able to um both those new locations that we had opened we moved both those stores in the same market uh to um better lease situations and we're able to 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 weather the storm by moving those stores which was a lot of work but it it paid off they they're still existing you know, that's interesting. You're talking about, you know, negotiating better lease terms. I feel like that's one of those things that I hear from other retailers where, um, you know, the market was different. And so, you know, terms were just kind of different too. But it's one of those things I feel like people are maybe paying closer attention to now than they did pre-recession. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> Making sure that. Yes. Yeah. Are there other things that you guys watch more closely now than you did, um, you know, when business was booming in the in the early aughts? Oh yeah, I, I that that kind of stuff. Um the the we we've we've moved stores again and we moved them into uh, even better situations um with yeah. with leasing. So yeah, so your commitment to uh, a good location that's going to have a lot uh, you know draw a lot of traffic um but also not paying through the nose for that. And it it is difficult. Um you know, we're in an A market in that of Philadelphia, so uh, everything is, is expensive. Um, but we've been able to work out some, some good leases. So we're always watching that. No, you, you watch things. Uh, we might've looked at financials, you know, uh, once a month or every few months, um, back then we, we look at them weekly now for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that's common for absolutely. a lot of people in the industry yeah. now and for the better. Right. I mean, I feel like that, that makes you a lot more nimble when you, ha- when you know really intimately what's happening in your business on a, on a weekly basis versus, you know, checking it out from your accountant every month or two. Yes. No, that that's for sure. Um, yeah, we, we stay on top of our leads, everybody walking in the door, you know, in fairness to back at that time, you, you could have, you know, 15 ups on a weekend would be normal. Um, it's very different. The whole industry is completely flipped. You know, the new door to the store is coming through, um, our website, you know, that's where we gather the leads. That's where, you know, the people come in, they're much more educated now. That's why less people come in the stores than they used to, but um, a higher percentage purchase a hot tub. Yeah, that's interesting. It has completely changed. I mean, the whole world has completely changed since before, that's <laughs> since for, before that's, the recession. That's for sure. So, so I, I want to, you know, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about um, buying out about buying out Dan and how that was, but I think that's something that we could probably devote an entire episode to, but when did you kind of know that that was something that you were going to want to do eventually? Um, I, it's, it's been in the work for works for years. Um, we kind of, you know, we kind of figured even when I had bought in, that was my first step in 2003 when I bought into the business, um, that, um, that was the first step. Um, and then over the last five years, um, 
things have evolved and um, more and more. And then uh, last September, um, we we had just decided it's time. Let's get it done. So that's that's how that you know, that's it's really smart on on Dan's part to bring in someone that he wanted to eventually sell the business to because and we've talked this talked about in the industry a lot where you know people are getting to that retirement age these original owners and they don't have that clear succession plan in place and you know I think it's making a lot of people nervous about what they're going to do with this you know this great business that they've built over years and years of blood sweat and tears so it was it seemed it was pretty wise for Dan you know way back then to even be thinking you know, okay, like down the road, this is what our ultimate goal is going to be. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I've, I've only owned the business for three months and uh, I'm already thinking the same thing. Who, who in my organization can buy this from me? So, yeah, it's something you, you, you know, I've, I was given that advice years ago, but you, you are always looking for that next person that would be able to take over the company. That's for sure. Yeah. So what are you thinking? I mean, so obviously you're trying to think about who's going to take it over from you, but what are some of your, um, what are some of your goals and plans for your business going forward? Well, I, I think um, we're working on uh, an online presence that would be um, an online store. Uh, that that's something we're looking into doing uh, with water care and um, uh, very limited parts, but we're we're looking we're we're. Ex- Exploring that area right now. That's something that I would really like to, I see as the future, that's not going away. It's only going to get bigger. And, um, and that's something that has some real potential. Um, that's one, one spoke that I'd like to do. And the other would be expanding, uh, locations. So we're, we're looking into opening more stores, um, and in particular, in particularly building the online, an online store. So when you think about expanding to a new to a new location, are you looking at your market and seeing where there are holes or you have, you know, customers coming from those areas into your your other stores or it, what do you kind of do when you're trying to plan out that next move? You know, I'm just doing the research. I I'm, I'm looking at where we're selling hot tubs in the market and um where we're not and where where we cross over and and um so that they're, they're the things I'm looking at where the, the markets where we could be doing better, where we're selling a little, but we could be selling a lot more hot tubs there. Um, yeah. So th- that's, yeah. It, it, just looking for stores that would complement what we have right now. I, I don't want to open stores for okay. the sake of opening stores. I want to, I want to be strategic about it. That's very important. Yeah, of course. That makes, that makes sense. Um I feel like we we jumped into the business stuff and I and I skipped over um you know you have a wife and and children correct <laughs> I do I do I have a wife and three daughters and uh Diane is a big part of the business here and um at at the company she uh works with us every day and um and then we do have uh three daughters two of them live in Los Angeles California and one lives in Boca Raton she just got married in May of 17 so she lives down in Boca Raton, Florida. So our kids were only allowed to move to places that we would want to visit. So uh, yeah, it's... you want to visit you want to visit LA? That's one of your favorite places to go. <laughs> not necessarily LA, but not too far from there. It's pretty beautiful. So okay, yeah. oh, this is this is true. Yes. Yeah, I I was re- I was out there a couple months ago, and yes, it really is. It really was lovely. So yes, no, that's one of my favorite parts of the of the country is is that. Um, the area between San Diego and, and Los Angeles. It's beautiful. 
It really is. It really is really nice. I, when I was out there, I started in Tijuana and ended up in Ventura. So, you know, it was quite the, I made quite the round of <laughs> Southern California yes. in one, in one trip. It was, it was busy. Yeah, no, that's a, it's, it's a, it's an amazing part of the country too, the way it's so populated, so different than, than uh, the East coast here where everybody has a lot of, still has a lot of space. There's not a lot of space in between those, that, that area. It's, it's uh, but there's a lot of backyards to put hot tubs. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Are you thinking about, is that your next expansion is to, to California? No. <laughs> <I don't think laughs> That'd so. be quite the, quite the commute for that you. That is not, not what I'm thinking right now. That's for sure. Well, I'm excited that you are on the podcast. Um, I think this is going to be great to have, like I said, a, you know, an actual retailer voice that we hear from each week. Um, something that someone that people can relate to and, you know, you can understand their struggles in a way that, a way that I can't. So, so thank you. I'm really excited to have you I'm very excited to to work with you on this, Megan. I think it's going to be fun. podcast is produced by Spa Retailer Magazine. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SpaRetailer.com, and the Spa Retailer app. Please leave us a review and let us know what you think or email us at podcast at SpaRetailer.com. Thank you.